Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in part two of a great sermon called Stop Trying to Earn God's Approval. Do you ever feel like you just don't measure up? Do you ever feel inadequate spiritually? Do you ever feel like you are not good enough for God? So many of us feel like we need to earn God's approval. Well, friends, the whole point of the book of Hebrews is that we can enter into this rest that God has for us. What did Christ say? Come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, there is a salvation rest to where you and I, we can stop trying to earn our salvation or approval from God. I'm going to show you that today, and I can't wait to share Scripture with you. Let's go Hebrews chapter 4, part 2 of Stop Trying to Earn God's Approval. In chapter 3, the author shows us Christ has more glory than Moses. That would have made the Hebrews gasp. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is systematically, he is taking everything in Judaism, everything that was held dear under the old covenant, he's comparing it to Christ, and everything just falls away, and Christ eclipses it all. So what Joshua, chapter 4, was unable to do. What Moses was unable to do, what angels are unable to do, what prophets are unable to, are unable to do, Christ is able. What is the New Testament word for Joshua? Jesus. What do their names mean? Savior. And see, while Joshua led them into the physical Canaan land, Jesus leads us into a rest for the people of God that praise God because of his promises still stand. Now, what is the rest that he leads us into? Well, if it's not the creation rest, which we see in chapter 4, and it's not the Canaan rest of which Joshua led them into, then what is it? It's a salvation rest. Let me ask you a question. Do you at times feel like you need to earn God's approval? Do you at times feel like you're not religious enough? Do you at times feel like you don't quite measure up when it comes to Christianity? When you look at your spiritual life, does it feel like you need to earn something? See, what's happening with these original Hebrew audience, see, I want you to understand the context here. They have been baptized into the church and into the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what that means upon their baptism? That means they have severed ties with Judaism. They're kicked out of the temple. 
There's no more animal sacrifice for them. There's no more going to the priest for them. They're on their own spiritually. And you know what many of them were beginning to feel like? Many of them were beginning to feel like they were not religious enough. And so they needed to go back to those old ways. They needed to go back to those old habits, go back to that old lifestyle. And the author says, no, you're going back to shadows. No, take hold of the reality, which is Christ. You and I are in the same potential danger. Some of you never feel good enough. Oh, Holy Spirit, speak to us right now, Spirit of God. Some of you feel so inadequate. You'll feel like you'll never measure up. You feel like you'll never be good enough for God. And somewhere way deep down inside your soul, you feel like you must always earn with God. You feel like you must always make greater attempts with God. You feel like you're always behind the eight ball with God. No, do you know what the rest that God is speaking of? Do you know what the rest that Hebrews teaches? It is a rest from all religious attempts. It is a rest from trying to merit your own salvation. It is a rest from trying to earn approval from God. It is the rest that Jesus said. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. rest. What Joshua could not do, Jesus can do. Amen. It's the salvation rest of God. Therefore, while the promise, oh, lay hold of his promises today. To enter his rest, what rest? Of stop trying to earn salvation. Stop trying to be good enough for God. Stop trying to gain his approval. Stop trying to go your own way. While that promise to enter his rest still stands. Now that's interesting. Why does it still stand? Because you go back to chapter 3, the last verse, 19. We see then that the Israelites, that first generation, they were unable to enter. Why? Because of unbelief. The door closed for them. Now, we have discussed, can a Christian lose their salvation? Some of you would not agree with my viewpoint. That's the beauty of being a non-denominational church. We're not cookie cutters. How many of you know the, 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 the family of God are not penguins? We don't just waddle in line. You are most free to disagree with me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. <clears throat> but one of the viewpoints I have that Israel, although they failed to obtain the promise, although they failed to truly believe God, Although they greatly offended God and they provoked him, as scripture says, he didn't send them back to bondage. The Lord chastens those whom he loves. 
And anyone that he doesn't chasten is an illegitimate child. They don't belong to the Lord. But if you belong to the Lord, you're going to be disciplined by God. Amen. They failed to enter because of unbelief. Now, when you go from chapter 3, verse 19, that that generation failed, it's even more important when you look at chapter 4, verse 1, the promise still stands for us. The invitation is still there. The opportunity is still there to follow after God, to not let in belief into our heart. And what did we say last week? While unbelief comes from the heart, disobedience comes out of the will. And that's the sure progression. <coughs> when you allow unbelief in your heart, disobedience will begin to follow in your life. Just as with the Israelites. Now, therefore, while the promise to enter his rest still stands. Now this is very interesting. Let us fear. Now I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The burden of the book of Hebrews is not to rescue sinners from hell. See, you will not be able to interpret properly its many challenges if you miss this perspective. He is not writing to lost people. Neither is he writing to half-saved people. We've covered that. He's writing to who? He identifies them as holy brothers. He identifies them as those who share in a heavenly calling. He identifies as those who share in Christ, partakers of Christ's divine nature, as we discussed last week. These are fully born-again individuals. At least 24 times, the author uses pronouns like us and we. He includes himself into this category. So he says, let us fear. Now let's understand this. If you're going to take notes, please note this. The burden of Hebrews is not to rescue sinners out of hell. According to the context of the book, that's already happened. The burden is to bring many sons into glory. The burden is to bring you into the fullness of your salvation. The, fullness, the, the, the burden is to bring you into your inheritance. The burden is to bring you into the rest that God wants you to experience in this life, leading into the next. <coughs> I want you to note this. There is a healthy fear that Scripture teaches and there is an unhealthy fear that Scripture teaches. In Proverbs, it says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Over and over, the Scriptures teach us we ought to fear God. Does the Scriptures not say, do not fear man who can only kill the body, fear God who can destroy both body and soul? Does Scripture say, not say it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God? There ought to be a very good and a very reverent and a very biblical and a very healthy fear about God Almighty in your life. And the trouble in today's church is we've become so familiar with God, we no longer fear Him. And that's the trouble in our culture. There is no fear of an Almighty 
God, not like there ought to be. C.S. Lewis said it so well in his day. He said, ancient man viewed God as on the judge's bench and humanity in the dock. Modern man reverses it. God is on trial. God is in the dock and man is on the judge's bench. That ought not be. And that is the way it is in our culture. Is that right or wrong? Don't let it be that way in your own heart and in your own home. Don't get the order reversed. So he says, let us fear. Now, what's he mean then? Well, the negative fear would be to be afraid of God as a tyrant. To view him as a tyrant. The negative fear is to always feel like God's out to get you. God's not out to get you when the scriptures say there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God is not out to get you when the scriptures say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And what's verse 17 say? Oh, few can quote it. Jesus said, I have not come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through me might be saved. Oh, you know it. Hallelujah. God is not out to get you. He's out to reconcile you. So the negative fear is always looking over your shoulder, always feeling like God's angry at you, always feeling like you don't have God's approval. To that, Scripture would say 2 Timothy 1.7, for he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Okay? That's the negative. Then what's the positive? The positive fear is a healthy reverence. It is God is God and I'm the creation. He is the sovereign creator, and I am the creation. That's the healthy fear. Fear. Let us fear. Now, this is not negative. No more than when we are instructing our children. Do you think that of everything that my children are allowed to do, all of the joys of their childhood, all of the good things that our family, by God's grace, is able to enjoy, do you think it's going to ruin my children's childhood for me to say, do not play in the road? It's dangerous. You have this whole area. It's your domain. Play all you want. Do everything you want, but do not get in the road. Is that going to ruin their childhood? Are they one day going to lay on a therapist's couch and go, you know, mom and dad really love me, but that whole thing about the road, I just can't get past it. (laughs) 
Don't misunderstand the scriptures. Listen, of all that you enjoy in Christ, of all the treasure that is yours, of all the joy that there is in Jesus, it's not a negative to fear an almighty and living God. Amen? It's good. It's healthy. It's right. It's biblical. And yet it's missing out of so many of us. Let us fear. Oh, that God would restore. No, better, better, no. Oh, that we would restore a healthy fear of God in our lives. Amen. Amen. Mm. Let us fear lest any of you. Hmm. Who is he talking to? Holy brothers. Those who share in a heavenly calling. Let us fear <coughs> lest any of you should seem. Isn't that interesting? To fail to reach it. What's the point I think the whole point of that clause, and you should write this down, you cannot coast in your faith. You can't do it. Oh, that God would grant us a white, hot zeal for the glory of God. Oh, that God would grant us a white, hot passion for the glory of God. Verse number two. For the good news was preached to us just as to them. Now, that's confusing. You mean good news was preached to the original Israelites? Yes. See, the indictment of chapter three is that they saw the works of God for 40 years in the wilderness. And for 40 years, they did not believe God. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment. Say amen if you're thinking with me. Not thinking about lunch, thinking about the scriptures. Okay. Now, follow me on this. What an indictment. What did the Israelites see? They saw the 10 plagues of Egypt and not one affected Goshen where they lived. They saw the death angel come upon the entire land and kingdom of Egypt. And the people of God applied the blood to the doorpost of their homes. And the death angel did not take a one of God's people. They saw God harden the heart of Pharaoh. And God, God made that wicked man let God's people go. And they came out of Egypt with all the spoil and all the plunder of Egypt. They came out with all their livestock and all their cattle and all their little ones and all their gold. And they came out with it all. And what did they see? When they came to the mighty Red Sea, they saw God divide the waters and they marched across on dry land. And they saw God utterly wipe out their enemies forever. 
Every night they saw a pillar of fire leading them. Every morning they saw a cloud guiding them. They saw the glory of God shine on Moses' face on Mount Sinai to the point they had to veil his face because the glory was so bright. They saw manna, the literal angel's food, come down from heaven every single morning. And the scriptures say everyone ate their fill, whether an individual ate much or whether an individual ate only little. They all had their fill. God fed them with quail. God brought water from a rock. And for 40 years, their shoes never wore out. Their clothing never wore out. For 40 years. Here's what I want you to write down. Out of everything they saw. Now listen. If any generation. Should have had strong faith. It were the it, it, it was the Israelites, the nation of Israel. But here's what I want you to see: all the things that they saw should have drawn them toward the living God. Instead, it led them away from Him. Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> the good news was preached to them, just as it is preached to us. But let me ask you this question. For us to not believe the promises of God, for us to not lay hold of the promises of God, when, now listen, you and I never crossed the Red Sea, but we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You and I have never seen the stone tablets of the commandments of God, but you and I have the precious Word of God. You and I never saw water out of a rock. We've never ate manna from heaven. We never saw the bronze serpent on the cross. But let me tell you what we do have. We have the death, we have the burial, and we have the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So for us to not lay hold of the promise of God, unbelievable. Without excuse. As chapter 12 says, if those who heard from God on earth rejected him, how much worse will it be for us to refuse to hear him who speaks from heaven? When we have the Holy Spirit, we have the word of God. We have Christ himself, our apostle and great high priest. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> the good news was preached to us just as to them. But see, here was the difference. And I don't want you to miss this. If you get anything today... Walk out the doors with this. It did not benefit that first generation. Are you kidding me? To cross the Red Sea didn't benefit them? Now that is an out, That's an unbelievable statement. 
But why did it not benefit them? Here's why. Because it wasn't mixed with faith. What does Hebrews teach us? Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.